Before I read today's New Testament lesson from the first chapter of John's Gospel, allow me to share just a little bit of background to this story and also to the other birth stories of Jesus. Um, in Luke, when he begins to tell the story of Jesus' birth, he doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph. Rather, he begins with Mary's cousin Elizabeth, her husband Zechariah, and their desire to have a child. Later on, as he does move into the story of the birth of Jesus, then Luke fills the skies with angels and the fields with shepherds. Now, when Matthew tells the story, he doesn't mention any of this. In Matthew, the angel appears not to Mary, but to Joseph. And Jesus is not visited by the shepherds, as Matthew tells the story. Rather, he is visited by the Magi. And the earliest writers in the New Testament, Paul and Mark, a little bit later than Paul, neither of them mentions the birth of Jesus at all. And all of this is important because the variations in the story are a great gift to us. They provide for us a multivalent perspective on the meaning of God's incarnation in the form of the human Jesus. It's like a prism, and as we hold the prism up and turn it around, we look at each facet of that prism, prism and we're given something that is even more beautiful as the whole is revealed. And this is especially true as we read about human origins of God and Jesus in the Gospel according to John, in the first chapter specifically. This writer goes back. He goes way, way back as he begins his story. He goes all the way back to the story of creation that's found in the very first chapter of the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. And very intentionally, John begins his story of Jesus the same way that that ancient Hebrew writer begins the story of all creation in the beginning. He starts out by saying, in the beginning. Also, the terms that are used here, Mary and Joseph don't figure into the story at all. Rather, the revelation of God in human form, Jesus, comes to us in very huge cosmological terms. And Jesus is called the Word by this gospel writer, Logos in Greek. And that word logos shimmers with meaning, and it also harkens back to that first chapter of the book of Genesis. Um, because in that first chapter, God speaks a word. And God speaks this word and says, let there be light. And that's the beginning of the creation of the entire universe. And so here we have God, again, speaking the word, who is Jesus Christ, meaning to say to all readers, here, what, was, what happened at creation is fulfilled even more, revealed even more in Jesus, who is the light of the world. And so with that bit of background, then, let us listen for God's word for us today. And I'm going to be reading today from Eugene Peterson's reading Bible, as he calls it, the message. And uh, so let us listen for God's word. This is 
The Gospel according to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. The Word was first. The Word present to God. God present to the Word. The Word was God, in readiness for God, from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Him. What came into existence was life. And the life was the light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness could not put it out. There once was a man, his name John, sent by God to point the way to the life light. He came to show everybody where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him. And yet the world did not even notice. He came to his own people, but they did not want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God begotten, not the blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of the sermon today is, It's a Beautiful Year in This Neighborhood. It's a Beautiful Year in the Neighborhood. John is a masterful theologian, it's so it seems fitting for me to begin the sermon by quoting another masterful theologian, one who is closer to our present day. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I've always wanted a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in the neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, let us all say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Now, I suppose that most, if not all of you, recognize that as the opening song of the long-running PBS television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And thanks to some recent documentaries and books, most of us now know that 
the Reverend Fred McFeely Rogers, ordained Presbyterian minister. Whenever he came onto that television set and buttoned up his cardigan and tied up his tennis shoes, was preaching a sermon. And it's occurred to me that that neighborly way that Mr. Rogers preached has within it that sense of what John, number, John chapter 1 is attempting to get across to all of us readers across the generations. My young friend, who also happens to have the name of John, although he's not so young anymore, he actually was the very first baby that I baptized at the beginning of my ministry in 1979, uh, said to his mother, Carolyn, who remains one of my closest friends, actually spent about an hour on the phone with her yesterday. Um, when he was about three years old, he said to his mother, Mom, you know something? Mr. Rogers talks just to me. In the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ, that we read about here in John chapter 1, we are being told that God is speaking just to us. God is speaking directly to us and showing us what it means to be human, fully human. The way Eugene Robin, uh, the way that um, Eugene Peterson puts it, is that in Jesus, we are shown our true child of God's selves, gracious, inside and out. Now, when John 1 is translated in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, we read these words that Jesus became flesh and, or the word became flesh, and dwelt or lived among us. That uh, translation there, dwelt or lived among us, actually refers to um, the pitching of a tent, or really the erecting of the tabernacle. And you remember the tabernacle was that movable worship space that went along with the Israelites wherever they went as they were in their sojourn in the wilderness, moving toward the promised land. And so this is a, a way of expressing as um, the biblical writer, they would have, those readers would have known early on that, that God pitched God's tent, God's tabernacle among the people so that God was with them wherever they would go. Well, Eugene Peterson translates this a little bit differently, and I am absolutely no Greek scholar, but I think that he has hit it right on the head when he says, in Jesus, God moved into the neighborhood. In Jesus, God moves into our neighborhood. In Jesus, God moves into our houses, and our apartments. In Jesus, God moves into our schools and into our workplaces. And most importantly, in Jesus, 
God moves into us. And as God moves into us, we become more aware because God changes us. We begin to see, as the commentator Lawrence Freeman put it, that the incarnation of God in Jesus is not something extraordinary, but rather it enables us to see ordinary things as they truly are. And so as we are changed, as Jesus comes into us and becomes alive in us, is that we are enabled to see ordinary things that happen to us, ordinary occurrences, as the holy, beautiful, neighborly things that they truly are. And if you want to know what that looks like, then you just need to ask my friend Laura Cunningham. Several years ago, Laura, a Presbyterian minister, was in her local Panera, and she was, it was December 23rd, and she was um, in that wonderful place to write her Christmas Eve sermon. So she was working on her sermon, and a couple of tables over, there was a family seated there, two parents, a daughter, and a son. And pretty soon, it became apparent that the daughter was not happy. And she actually began screaming at her parents because apparently they had just told her that she would not be going on a cheerleading trip that she had eagerly anticipated because the family finances would not permit that. So she really was screaming, and the son who was there was looking down at his phone trying to be as invisible as possible. The parents, of course, were absolutely mortified, and they were doing everything to get their daughter to lower their voice, her voice. And, you know, the tables filled with diners all around were as uncomfortable as they could be, wishing they could be anywhere else in that moment. And a few tables over, there was an associate at Panera, a young woman, a woman obviously with special needs. She was clearing the table of the trash that was there and wiping down the tables. And just at that moment, there was a little bit of pause in all of the yelling and screaming. And she walked over to the table and she stood in front of the girl and she said, I don't know what's wrong, but I wish I could do something that would make you happy. And just for a moment, Laura says, that whole section of the restaurant was quiet. You could hear the drop of a pen. The daughter was quiet. The parents were quiet. Everyone seated in that section was quiet. And just in that moment, and Laura says, I swear I'm not making this up, a voice came over the loudspeaker. Jesus, your order is ready. <laughs> and happy birthday, by the way. In Jesus, God moves into the neighborhood. And just like that, 
we get to see the glory of God with our own eyes. Friends, I could not be more confident that 2022 is going to be a beautiful year in the neighborhood that is Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church. I could not be more confident of that. Next week, we welcome our interim pastor, Ghani DeBeer, and his wife, Annette. Our music search team is very excited about their final candidates. Some members of our missions committee are working with others from churches in our community to welcome Afghan refugees into our community as our literal neighbors. Our bridge builders and those who are committed to the Charleston Area Justice Ministry are keeping our eyes on the social justice needs in this community. We've opened up a search for an assistant director of Christian education to focus particularly on strengthening our ministry toward children, with children, and their families. We have a group who gathers every Wednesday morning at 7.30 a.m. to pray for the needs that are known to them. And they've been doing that ever since Jim Lowry was the pastor here and started it. And they gather every single week and are always looking for new people to join them in this. It's all via Zoom, so you can pray that way. Every day of the week, there are groups of children and youth and adults who are gathering via Zoom and in person to study and to learn and to deepen faith and knowledge. And I can't forget our oyster roast and chili cook-off that are coming up on February 13th. So it's a great time for you to invite some of your real neighbors to come and to just enjoy some great fun and community here. And I'm going to stop right here. You know, I could go on and on because and, this is just scratching the surface. But I am going to stop right here because you know what? It's a beautiful day out there. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. So what do you say, MPC? What do you say? Will you, with God's help, get out there and make it a beautiful year in this neighborhood? Amen.